right. the garage door. And we've got Jim Ritchie of the Posers with us tonight. Jim, how's it going? Great, great. Glad to be here. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing good. We're glad to have you here. Excited to have you here, Jim. Another, seems to me now uh, that we've been playing your music on our show, The Garage Door. Uh, seems to me that you're another power pop aficionado. Well, we definitely uh, uh, subscribe to any any label that, that <laughs> classifies whatever melodic rock and roll is. We love power pop. We love uh, indie pop, you know, any anything with melody. Yes, yes. And, you know, Jim, sorry, sorry, Craig, to get off tangent, but I appreciate all kinds of music. But a lot of times if it's just straight screaming, I need a little bit of melody in there somewhere, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. <laughs> well, Jim, tell us about the posers. You guys are out of Texas, is that correct? Yes, we're uh, basically uh, out of uh, essentially Tyler, Texas, which is about eighty miles east of Dallas. So, a lot of times we've um, and we've lived in Dallas over the years here and there. So, we kind of claim Dallas as our as our hometown for the international audience when people, because most people don't know where Tyler is. Right. So. Dallas, but uh, yeah, we, we came up in Texas, which is historically known as kind of ZZ Top, Stevie Ray Vaughan land, you know, that's right. what state is known for usually, so uh, we, we came up uh, with uh, influences from across the sea, so to speak, uh, the Beatles, even though the Beatles broke up before I was born, they're uh, they were my favorite band growing up, but also coming up in the late seventies and the eighties, I was influenced by a lot of, of bands that were, um, you know, ranging anywhere from uh, just classic rock to some, some melodic punk to alternative, just this hodgepodge of, of genres. So coming from Texas, that's not usually the first thing you think of when, when you think of music. that's what I've always been into. <laughs> right and jim you know what i do hear though in a lot of your cuts such as uh oh gosh uh cry uh oh i'm trying i'm i'm drawing a blank here the the cry baby cindy c that's the one we were C talking about yeah cindy c i mean there's some swing in there too though like good good rock and roll has a little bit of that pulse in it so i was noticing that absolutely and i think that kind of gets back to our uh the, the Beatle idea. One of my favorite albums is the White Album, and and you can kind of go song to song, and it doesn't really fit in a in a real specific linear genre like a lot of bands do. Uh, you might get a, a, a Honey Pie, and then right after that, a Helter Skelter, and and just a, a real diverse, um, I, I guess, diverse offerings of of genres of songs within the same band, and not that we consciously set out to do that but that's just what we enjoy and so we we tend to write songs that may span you know we might write a more heavy song and then maybe a song with a a different kind of a swing beat like like you mentioned uh and then uh, across across the spectrum we really you know just write kind of what we feel and uh i think the the eclectic nature of it can sometimes be a double-edged sword because if somebody really locks into something you like, like one facet of what you're doing and you don't do enough of that for them, you may, right. you may, you know, so it's definitely a, a, a give and take there. You know, for yeah, me, uh, listening to your stuff. Oh, I was going to say, 
listening to your songs, just randomly picking songs, they all bring a feeling, a memory up to me. Like when I listen to it, it takes me to someplace. So I know that for me, that that's important when I listen to stuff that I get a, I get a feeling and a sense of it. So it seems like every one of your songs will make me think of something that's happened in my life. And that, that's kind of cool to me. I like that. It makes me want to well, listen more of what you guys have. Right. That's kind of the way we, the way we write songs. I mean, it's every song, very few of our songs were just um, non-generic, non-specific right. songs. There's always some kind of story attached to it or an emotion that attach, attaches to it. And uh, that authenticity, I think that we uh, feel as songwriters to the songs hopefully that does translate into uh, the listener when they listen to it, they either, mm-hmm. either have something similar that we were feeling or really, you know, have something completely different that I, that they identify with. Um, you know, you mentioned Cindy C a few, uh, you know, a while ago, that was off our embrace your addiction album. And, you know, that was one that, um, you know, Kenny Swan, uh, our lead guitar player actually wrote that one. And, uh, he had, uh, you know, obviously being, uh, you know, enamored with Cindy Crawford at the time or whatever. That was what was coming out. But what we really liked most about the song was just the the when we got it recorded, the vibe that really kind yes. of catchy, kind of dirty, dirty garagey yeah. came out of it. And that's something that's another conversation as well, because there's these different parts along the way. You know, you kind of get the inspiration, you write the song then you record the song and sometimes sometimes when you record it you get it right and sometimes you don't and there's not really a reason why sometimes sonically it just comes together and sometimes you miss even though you're using maybe the same instruments the same process but you you it sometimes catch a lightning in the bottle right. it happens, and you can't explain why it happens you know sure yeah well and and the emotion is authentic it's authentic emotion that tr- that's triggered so that's what Craig and I celebrate is authentic rock and roll, authentic music. It's coming from your soul. You're not doing the pure pat pop stuff. That that's our uh, right. favorite word on this show is authenticity. So yes, <laughs> that's yeah. that's. I think that sometimes in the power pop community, which is a uh, is a very interesting community, uh, because nobody can quite really agree what that genre means. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They know it when they hear it. That's what yes. I. Know. Yeah, <laughs> I think that that depending what you know, I think that sometimes now, and this may get me a little bit of trouble, but for me in my age, the way I grew up, to me, I when I think of power pop, I t- tend to go right to cheap trip. That's kind of oh, my yeah. my connection there with them. But there are a lot of bands that I've learned since then that uh, a lot of the power pop experts will talk about that to me at the time when I was growing up, I didn't, I associated them with new ways. And, and, but a lot of people would say, well, that, that's what we are calling power pop. And I'm saying, well, well, it could be, but in my mind growing up, that wasn't what I associated with it. And then years later with teenage fan clubs and some of the bands in the nineties coming up, it was a little bit different then as well. So power pop in a lot of ways has become like just as, uh, as a genre, almost like rock and roll is right. you yes. you put a decade on it. Like, well, that's seventies power pop, or that's right. power pop, you know, like, like we did with fifties rock or late sixties, rock, right. things like that. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I think you put that, 
much better than even I could, you know, I mean, Craig did. I think that's, that's a perfect way to put it. But in the pose, first of all, Jim, tell us who all is in the band, if you don't mind. Well, the, the, the posers, it's, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting story. I put the band together in way back in 1994, kind of as an, a, a group to focus on my songwriting originals, releasing material, things like that. So we've had a ton of people come and go over the years as far as the band, people who have played in, in the recording parts, the touring parts, things like that. But right now, if you see us live, more than likely you're going to see me, Jeff Hamm uh, on guitar, Stacey Shue on bass, Kirk Harper on the drums. And that's that's kind of our core group to play live when we play live. In the studio, oftentimes I'll record most of the instruments myself. Uh, it's just easier to get together because I'm writing the songs. It's easier just to so I play drums, I play guitar, I play keyboards, and I sing. And that's amazing and, in and of itself right there. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's funny, over the years, I've just, and I've been doing that for most of my life, it's just more efficient to do it that way because as we get older, it's, it takes a lot of time for a band to get tight. Yes. I mean, you yes. put the time in, and it doesn't take near as long for me to get tight with myself because – I know what I'm doing on the instrument so I can kind of just do it quickly. So usually uh, live in the studio, I'll kind of be the core, uh, you know, I guess player, but then I will bring in other people to play on. Well, Jeff Ham, who plays live with us, he'll, he'll come in and usually play guitar and play and sing uh, back up and uh, occasionally here and there. Kenny Swan, who's a uh, kind of my songwriting partner. We we've written together for most of our life. He um he'll come in and play lead guitar. He's a fantastic lead guitar player, probably the best lead guitarist I've ever played with. But he just doesn't enjoy playing live. So right. if we do anything, we'll play it. It'll be in the studio or whatever. But he won't be with us live. So uh, that's kind of the group um, right now. Now I mentioned Stacy Shue and Kirk Harper. Uh, Kirk Harper actually had some fame about twenty years ago. He was the lead singer in a band called Lynch Mob, which was George sure. Lynch. In, and they released an album with Kirk as the vocalist. So Kirk's a multi-instrumentalist himself. So oh, cool. when he's playing drums with the posers, he has his own group that he plays in fronts as well. Stacey Shue is a, is a phenomenal bass player. So he plays with different groups too. So it's kind of like everybody's playing with everybody. Right. And then we're together, you know. <laughs> Are you going to play anywhere? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, ask. Are you guys out touring anywhere, playing any places? We usually play, uh, we'll play strategic, I mean, strategic gigs. We haven't packed up and toured and just hit the road in a long time. But usually when David Bash does an international pop overthrow somewhere in the vicinity, he'll reach out to us and we'll put something together for that. If we have a new album, we'll usually do a release party at a, a place in Dallas or Austin and we'll play that. But we really don't play regularly. It's usually we get something together for a gig that's that's of right. some. The next gig we've got, actually, David Bash is doing an international pop overthrow in Arlington, which is, you all probably know that's between Dallas and Fort Worth. He's doing September, and he asked us to play that. So we're going to oh, play cool. 
Friday night, September 16th. Uh, so that's our next gig. And and then we'll pro- we're in the studio right now working on a follow-up album to Cry Baby Bridge. And that, that will probably, we'll probably, that'll probably be finished in early 2023. So we'll do a release party for that somewhere. And then one of the bucket lists for me is to go over and do a, an IPO in, uh, in Liverpool at the Cavern. David does about once a year. And he's asked us a few times to go over there, but just trying to get schedules together and get enough people to, to do, it's kind of difficult, but that's definitely something I, I hope to do someday. Well, Jim, Craig, and I are already volunteered to carry your amps. Anything yeah. you need. We're both drummers, so we'll, you know, we'll anything roadies, you need, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Jim, it seems like that that you're talking about basically the McCartney approach, like for his debut LP, his debut solo LP. You know, everything's your your own. When you record, what's the process? I mean, do you what do you lay down first? Does it just depend on the song? Well, you know, Paul McCartney probably was my, growing up, was my single greatest influence. He, uh, um, and it was odd being a Beatle fan in the 80s because they're, they're, they're a couple of decades before you and your friends really aren't into them. So it was kind of like me in my room with my records, just sort of <laughs> learn it, listen to it one-on-one. But um, I started out playing drums when I was three. My parents gave me a drum set. Um when I was very young and I sort of grew up playing drums when I was 12, I kind of transitioned into guitar, played guitar, took guitar lessons. So I had a little bit of theory background, but mainly ear. And then I started playing piano when I was 14 and was writing songs around that time and then learned bass a little bit later. And of course people say, well, if you play guitar, you play bass, but they are two separate instruments knowing how to, to incorporate the melody, especially something like McCartney does. So that was kind of my background growing up. And then it wasn't until I got a four track that I started and I was by myself. I was at home, you know, without a band around me, I started learning how to layer tracks, Mm -hmm. how to record things in what order. So my process kind of over the years became trial and error. But now that I use, Pro Tools and tracks really aren't, uh, you know, a, <clears throat> I guess, a, a worry because in the uh, four track days, you had to do very specific things because you would really run out of tracks quickly. But with Pro Tools, we have about 30 uh, tracks, not including MIDI and things like that. So what I usually do when I'm recording a song is I'll lay a click track down, make sure I stay, you know, in time. Then I usually lay a, a scratch instrument down, whatever it is. If it's a piano song, that'll be the scratch. If it's guitar, guitar. And then I usually lay a scratch vocal down. And then after that, I go in and lay drums down to my scratch vocal and scratch guitar. And once I get the drum track the way I like it, I go back in and start laying the, the meat and potatoes of the song, usually guitar, a couple of double, a couple of guitars, whether they're acoustic or electric, whatever the song makeup is, then I'll usually lay bass. And so before I start doing vocals, I've got a drum, a bass, and then usually a couple of guitar tracks. Then I start doing my vocals. And then I usually later come in and overdub keyboards or strings or whatever other arrangements that need to be placed. That's, that's usually last. Uh, besides backup vocals, usually backup vocals and, and and keyboard overdubs are the last things I do before we mix it down. Awesome. Jim, let me, if I can just take a second. Yeah, you and I are exactly the same. I'm going to show you over here. There's kind of the beetle wall and the stereo. I've got all kinds of promo stuff. 
over there is kind of some of the Beatles memorabilia I've accumulated through the years. Very cool. Behind me is from that row down is, is all Beatles uh, or Beatle related. So yes, I made up, I, I made up with the two. What'd you think of McCartney too? Did you, I liked it. I really liked it. I think I liked it. I liked it more later as an adult probably than I did when I was younger. I don't, I think some of it was a little bit too keyboardy for me. Yes, me too. Exactly right, Jim. Perfect. When I was, when it came out, I was like, yeah, okay. You know, it's okay. Um, but now I've grown to appreciate it more. It's still not one of of my most listened to McCartney LPs, but, uh, now McCartney three, why'd you think of McCartney three? I dug it. I think, I think it's a great album. I think that what I respect so much about Paul is he's just continuing to contribute, continuing to write. Now, I mean, he gets beat up a lot in the press for, well, where, where's Hey Jude or where's the next let it be things like that. But, you know, I mean, I, I I think that he just lets that sort of flow off his, you know, flow off his skin, if you will. And just he just continues to write what he feels and, and he shares it with the world and we can like it or not like it. But I think it's great. I'm glad he's still doing it. I think he's oh, yeah. probably talented people who's ever played music. You know? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it never it's it is like I think you hit the nail on the head. It is contributing to the future. I mean, it's building. He's keeping on going. Um I mean, he's brought me a lot of hope and cured a lot of anxiety with me. I mean, if I'm upset, listen to Paul. Not that I don't the other Beatles either, but, uh, but you know, that's, I just, it's my therapy at times. So, and I, by the way, I do, I see a Hoffner back there behind you. Yes. Yes. I've got a, I've got a, a Hoffner. I'm sorry. I'm having trouble with my, my phone. Looks like a Rocky. Is that a Rocky replica back there? Oh, George's Rocky. Yes, that's the uh, a Rocky. Actually, uh, I, I, the guy I was talking about, uh, Kenny Swan, the uh, lead guitar player for the Posers. He uh, actually uh, has his own guitar company, Swan Guitar. So he makes guitars oh, wow. as well, and that was good for me that he had, uh, you, you know, custom made, you know, down to the exact little um uh every little design or or yeah saying george did it looks phenomenal so That's yeah awesome. he, um and then uh yeah the hoffner i've got another hoffner base it's a white hoffner base uh i've got a um there's a my rick base i don't know if you can see it it's kind of in the corner behind me where yep. I'm for, is that uh, a 2001 yeah and that's a 2003 uh, okay okay and is it? I can't really see it, Jim. Is it the the natural maple finish, or I? It is. It's the natural. Uh, okay. And it look, looks similar to what Paul played in Wings after he sanded it down. I guess the red one that he had from the Beatles. I keep hoping he'll bring that out in tour on tour. You know, because I love that Rick sound. To me, it added so much. Venus and Mars. I just love that sound that's on on that. Uh, sorry, Craig. Oh, no worries. <laughs> We're working ourselves up into Beatle geekiness. Can't help it. Well, I would have told you that he liked the Beatles just from, uh, there's a song called The Only Girl, and that just sounds yes. like a Beatles song to me. Yes, that that's a song that actually David uh, Bash had uh, included on the, the latest. He's got a, uh, the inter- in fact, I've got it right here. This is the International Pop Overthrow Volume 23. This one has just been released. It's brand new. It's got... It's a three disc set with uh, you know a bunch of 
uh, artist contributing songs. And the only girl is actually on that on that CD. That's a great song. Thank you. Oh, wow. So that's volume three of International Pop Overthrow. Overthrow. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Cool. There's, uh, there's a plug, David. <laughs> well, we'd love to get him on and talk, Jim. We'll have to get back together and, and bring David along with us. That would be great. I would love that. Thank you so much for our, our genre of music, you know, and just really uh, supporting music and bands and, and, and the IPO kind of going from city to city, keeping the, the, the music, uh, I guess, in the press, so to speak. So he's, he's done that, I guess, over 20 years now. So uh, hats off to him. Uh, Jim, is the your record label Sixth Floor, is that a homage, seven floors down from the 13th floor elevators? <laughs> the six, the sixth floor, I think, is just a. It was was a nod to the, uh, uh, um, the 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 sixth floor of the the books depository. Oh, okay, okay, okay. From, gotcha. From, oh. from from Dallas, yeah, yeah. And those uh, those guys have been very supportive of us as far as uh, since we've been in in the indie world, so to speak. And I, I can't say enough good things about them. Cool. Now, Jim, if somebody like is, can you give us a little contact information? If someone, if one of our listeners wants to, you know, find your album, find, you know, actually want to purchase the CD and is there some vinyl available? Uh, at this point, we, we, you know, we entertained uh, vinyl for Crybaby Bridge, our last album. Uh, and, and we, we really didn't, uh, it didn't materialize. I would like to have that someday. Uh, uh, for people, I know there's a great audience for that. I mean, I love vinyl myself. Oh, yeah. uh, as far as our our music and our our CDs and and uh, MP3s or or whatever, our our music's available on all of the major platforms uh, through Apple Music and um, of course whatever's out there. We're on it: Spotify, Pandora. Um, uh, what uh, what else? I can't think of all. That's but, the big ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they're on some of the indies as well. Uh, and uh, they can email us directly at theposers at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. I think the big thing is trying to get people to spell our name correctly, or in this case, correctly, because it's P-O-Z-E-R-S. So I guess if, you, if you're searching for with a P-O-S, you might not see as much. But right. The posers at, at Gmail, of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook and Twitter, I think, are both the posers. Instagram, I think, is the posers band. So uh, we're we're real easy to find, and we can direct anybody to um, you know the the outlets to to buy the music. The the CDs uh, themselves, it is harder to find people who are actually selling CDs. And I hate that because. Right. All of our music's on CD, so we hope to get it. But if they have trouble finding it, they can contact us directly, and we can make sure they get a copy. Awesome. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, Jim, I do want to stay in touch. We we'll want your contact information because I want I'm, I would like to have an autograph, you know, purchase an autograph oh, yeah. CD, you know. Well, we'll definitely send you one. Just let me know where to send it. That's awesome. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, thank you guys for doing what you do. This is great. Love your show. and. And uh, very happy to be here. Anytime you, anytime you want to chat, let me know. Well, well, we're um, glad to have music like yours to be able to play. To get yes, out there. yes, because there's valid music out there. We just, it just, 
you don't hear it because the audience is so fragmented and, and the radio is taken over by corporate pap, you know. Uh, Jim, if you don't mind taking a little extra minute, we always have a game we like to play either or uh, sure. where we kind of pick a couple out, a couple records and you and we all say either or. But give me a second. I'm going to do a special McCartney edition. Hold on one second. <laughs> we will judge you. And I just grab at random. Okay, here we go. You may not know these. Give Ireland back to the Irish or Mary had a little lamb. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say give Ireland back to the Irish, but the Mary song is a lot better than I thought it was going to be before I heard it. Yep. You know, hearing it, you're just assuming he just redid the, the nursery rhyme, but he did a lot with it. But I, I, I do think give Ireland back to the Irish is better for me. I would, I kind of, I kind of go with that. And I would, I would say the exact same thing uh, until I became real familiar. I had the 45 and I just never didn't listen to it, but yeah, I agree. Okay. We've got jet or letting go. Jet. I, I got to say jet. I'm with you too. Love them both, but got to go with jet. Now here's a double one. Okay. Girls school or Mall of Kintyre. Ooh. I'm I'm gonna say girls school because I'm not a huge Mall of Kintyre fan. That song always shocks me about how how many records it set in England. You know, it was like the biggest selling song yeah. for yeah. But it just wasn't one of mine. I think it, it was too, I guess I, I don't know, it just seemed a bit old fashioned, you know. Yeah, but now Girl School, Craig, if you've not heard it, it rocks. It is yeah, it's a great tune. It is a great tune. Okay, a couple more. Thank you for playing, Jim. I love just get together. I love, I love getting together, Beatle fans. <laughs> okay. My Brave Face or Stranglehold. I've got to say my brave face just yeah. because of the bass line. I love that bass line in the song. And that to me is the one that kind of brought McCartney back to sort of where he is now touring stadiums and getting back on the road. I, I love that album flowers in the dirt. It's a great album. One of my favorites. Yeah. I listened to quite a bit to that. Craig, are you familiar with, with my brave face? Oh yeah. I know all yeah. these. Okay. Figure of eight or hope of deliverance. Ah, you know, I'm going to have to say figure of eight by hair. I do love, Hope and Deliverance a lot, but I, I think I like Figure Eight just a little bit more. In fact, I think he opened with that song uh, on his 1990 tour. That was the first time I saw McCartney. I saw him in Texas Stadium uh, when it was still there, and uh, he opened with it. It was a great, great opening. Oh, I'll never forget that. Yeah, we I got our tickets through the fan club. He had first toured, you know, kind of late 89, and just a limit. Yeah. He did L.A., Chicago, and New York. And uh, the fa the fan club, the McCartney fan club, you could buy tickets through it, you guys. Yeah. And uh, they were great seats. I think they were like twenty five bucks. Oh wow! Uh, and it was just a great show, just a great show. Okay, couple more, we'll let you go. I don't know off Egypt Station or Ever Present Past. I think I like both of them, but I think Ever Present Past is probably by a hair for me. See, I'll go with the other one. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I'll, yeah, that's it's great. Uh, I like Ever Present Past. I probably listened to it a little bit more. Okay, two more, and we'll be done. 
press or so bad so bad oh i i love both of those songs but I, I think so bad is just a phenomenal song and i love his i love his bass playing and love the way he you know f you know uses his falsetto and then brings it down into his real voice just showing what a great natural singer he is oh man just uh you know younger i don't think there's anybody that could match paul for a rock voice maybe lennon you know but other than that uh, I don't think there's anybody that, that could have matched him. And, you know, now, of course, his voice isn't the same, but it's still amazing. He's still a, and what I like, Jim, now is he's writing. And I think you do this in some of your writing. You're writing to what your voice is now. You're writing to what you're feeling now, not trying to capture, you know, how you felt when you were 20. It's authentic. Absolutely. I mean, you you kind of have to do that. Otherwise, it, it, I think from a lyrical writing perspective, at least me, when I'm writing lyrics, if it's not something that I'm connecting with or I'm believing with some kind of an emotional or inspirational connection, I almost feel like I'm I'm cheating or I'm selling it short. You know, I'm just throwing words down. And I know that some writers do that. And I guess, you know, we don't as the audience, we don't know when they really mean it or when they don't. But for me, I know. So I, I try to not write lyrics unless I'm writing to say something. Yes, yes. I, and you can tell it in your music. You really oh, yeah. can. Thank you. Well, Jim, thanks for hanging out with it. It's The Posers, P-O-Z-E-R-S. Look them up yeah. on YouTube, Facebook. Uh, we hope to have you on again, Jim. Uh, so thank you very much for hanging out with us, man. We appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you guys for asking, and uh, I love your show. Thanks for what you're doing, and uh, and let me know if you, uh, if you ever want to chat again. Absolutely. Keep on doing what you're doing. Thanks.